Nine Podcasts. Hello and welcome to the official Married at First Sight podcast with me, John Aiken. And me, Alessandra Rampola. The search for love is universal. This week, we met 10 ambitious brides and 10 very hopeful grooms from across the country who've joined the experiment in the hope of finding just that, true love. And their journey began at the Hens and Bucks Knots. Our couples then locked eyes for the very first time on the day they said, I do. I do. I do. This is the fun bit. <laughs> and from the altar to the airport, our couples jetted off on their honeymoons. But even when you're in paradise, a reality check isn't far away. Yeah, no, nah, you're not my person. <laughs> I'm f- up here. Oh, she's 100% stuck in her own head. It's actually a bit of a turn off. So join us here every week on the Married at First Sight podcast as we take a deeper dive into the week's relationship issues. And John and I will share insights, tips, and lessons to take away with you beyond the experiment. So let's get into this. So can you believe it, Alessandra? It's the 10th season of the Married at First Sight experiment. And i got to say, I'm loving the fact that you and I are doing a podcast about it. I mean, we're not in the same room. You're dialing in from your home in Puerto Rico. But I'm loving the fact that I can do this with you every week. (laughs) I'm loving the fact that we get to really delve into issues with this podcast. Yes, very excited about it. Very excited that we've already gotten a chance to meet the couples and have an idea of where their commonalities or their issues might be. You know, some of them have really started off well, haven't they? Alyssa and Duncan, you know, they've got a a, a nice chemistry there. Caitlin and Shannon, you know, they seem like they have a lot of fun. And Lyndall and Cameron, oh, that was spectacular. They had a beautiful connection right off the bat. And Tani and Ollie seem to be doing very, very well as well. Strong connections there. Yeah, I'm excited about them. But then, of course, we have our other couples, which are showing cracks already. Sandy and Dan have challenges around culture, and particularly her family, you know, haven't uh, been particularly on board with the process, and she's very upfront with that. Janelle and Adam also have that similar sort of scenario. She has a a strong cultural uh, background with her Asian family, and they've got uh, their thoughts on Adam. And then, of course, we've got Melinda and Leighton, our two CEOs from the boardroom. They've got uh, their walls up, and they uh, value power and control, so that's always very interesting. Melissa and Josh, what about that issue around sex? That's a really interesting one. I'm interested to see how that's all going to play out. But you see Melissa with all of her enthusiasm. And really, I think there's a generational thing with them that also plays into these dynamics. For Melissa, there's a lot of empowerment behind her being sexually comfortable and just very sexually enthusiastic. And I think she comes from the mindset that any man, of course, is going to be super happy to have a woman who's going to be so enthusiastic. And yet... Right now, we're seeing Josh coming from a place where he's a little shyer. His personality doesn't want to go there. And at this moment in his life, he's thinking that he prioritizes other things. So there's a big disconnect there. And again, communication and how they go about it is going to be the key to the end result that we see here. Absolutely. And of course, Claire and Jesse, well, that that's all about deal breakers. He gets the ick with uh, pretty much uh, most things. Yes. <laughs> you know, Claire's up against it. 
Now, given we're in the early stages of the experiment, it's not surprising that all of our couples have got a challenge of how much to disclose, how Mm -hmm. honest they should be. And of course, we were confronted with this early on with Harrison and Bronte. You know, she's found out that allegedly he has been seeing another woman outside of the experiment right up to the day before those two met. And I guess it begs the question, how much do you divulge in those early stages of you know, meeting somebody, do you lay it all on the line or do you kind of gently let it out as you find your way with this person? That's a big part of the challenge, finding the correct moment, the time. You mentioned Harrison and Bronte and this coming up really early on, but then if we look at Adam and Janelle, Adam disclosing that he's had issues in the past with infidelity, even in his vows, how appropriate is it to go that early on and and to create a situation where there's doubt that is planted because he wasn't upfront and clear about it. He suggested something and then it led to information being said. But I think overall, it's really about doing whatever you need to do to generate trust and make sure that the other person feels comfortable that you're being upfront and honest with them because honesty and trust are the first things that need to be developed in order for the connection to grow. Otherwise, they won't feel free to really delve into the relationship. And that's one of the things I love about Married at First Sight is you are sitting there on the couch watching these participants and these couples trying to manage a new relationship, but not having a lot of insight into their past patterns of behavior. And so as a result of that, when we hold a mirror up to them, it's always fascinating to see whether they're going to accept that or whether they're going to resist it. It's absolutely compelling. Well, there's no doubt that we've seen some sparks fly early. Mm-hmm. Ollie and Tani, for instance, John, mm. and Lyndall and Cameron, both couples chose to be intimate straight off the bat during their honeymoons. Not all couples choose to wait. And, and, and just on that, like, how important is it, sex early on in a relationship in terms of establishing a connection? It can be important. And it can also be detrimental. And it's really very case specific, the decision to be made. And I do think that it needs to be made conscientiously, especially when you're in a situation such as in this experiment where you're choosing to be married to somebody and actually try to build a relationship, a serious, committed, long-term, monogamous, blah, 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 everything falling in love relationship. It is very important to time that moment correctly because we've seen it in the experiment in the past oftentimes they just don't know each other well enough to know what the other's expectation is and different people react differently to being sexually intimate with their partner so i do think it's a very big deal when they choose to become intimate but for instance to give you an example when tani and ollie were intimate and tani was asked her answer was it just really felt like the natural progression to how we were feeling and connecting and getting to know one another to have sex during their honeymoon. Mm -hmm. And I think if that's the case for both people, then absolutely. Whenever you feel like it's comfortable and organic and you're both wanting it and you're both very sure that consent is there and the enthusiasm is there, yes, then it can help build. But if you don't really know and you're just kind of going about it to see if they like you and It depends on the intent, the energy, the expectations, and the management, and of course, how free and comfortable they can feel to actually engage in open, sexy, and good sex with one another, which normally takes you feeling comfortable with your partner in order to really go there. What I thought was very interesting early on 
this year is that Ollie and Tani, Lyndall and Cameron, they took it a step further, whereas we saw quite a contrast between, say, Mel and Josh. What was your take on those two? I felt with those two, the communication was off. Josh is very shy, and clearly he was a little taken aback by all of Mel's enthusiasm around sex and and just being really upfront and her comments even during the wedding day and whatnot. And I don't think he was at that point comfortable enough voicing (laughs) that he was uncomfortable with some of those things. And so she wasn't getting the information. So she's continuing on like she thinks is going to be seductive. And for him, it's really becoming something that's off-putting a little because it's a little too strong, too aggressive for what he wants right now. He's really looking for something that goes beyond just the physical. And he's going to get there if he gets the emotional connection. He wants to take it slow. He mentions it in all of his Mm pre-interviews that he wants to take things slow. And she had decided even before getting married on the hence night, she's commenting about, of course, she's going to have sex on the wedding night. So those expectations coming in are very different. It is a big disconnect in communication at this point with these two it can absolutely create problems if they don't get on the same page with what they're looking for and how they're going to go about it sexually and intimately in this relationship. Mm. And another couple that's struggling with this getting on the same page, if you like, is is Bronte and Harrison as well, because he said to her after having sex, look, I'm not I'm not really that sexually attracted to you. Yes. You know, what do you do if if you hear that? Well, if you ever expect to be sexual with that person again, it's really not the best idea to say I'm not sexually attracted to you. Because the one thing that both men and women, human beings, we all really want in a sexual encounter, aside from connection in this case, because these these are people wanting to fall in love, but we all want to feel desired. Mm-hmm. And the moment that you have information that tells you this person does not desire me, you're being told (laughs) in no uncertain terms that they're not into you, they're not attracted. So um, what's going to convince you that that you become sexually attracted to them in the future is going to be much more difficult for you to buy that they're actually really into you. So there's a a lot of damage that can be done with saying that, especially when, again, they don't really know each other very well. They don't know how the other it takes very blunt communication. For some people, they're super fine with blunt communication. Most people would have an issue because it's really harsh. So yes, not not great on Harrison's part. Even if he was feeling disconnected, there's a trillion better ways to communicate that where you're not jeopardizing the relationship in the future. It's really done a lot of damage for them. But I tell you what, though, talking about intimacy and sex with you right now, it leads us to a very key part of the experiment. The Intimacy Week. Yeah. Now, without giving too much away, what have you got in store this year for our couples? <laughs> we have some fun things this year. This year, I felt it was really, really important to get some conversations going within the group, not only have a chance to chat to some of the couples individually. The group dynamic is so important in this experiment. They rely so much on one another for support. I really wanted to make sure that there was a space and a place where we could all talk about sex and just kind of plant that seed and leave it there. So they've all had a chat together. And perhaps if things come up during the experiment, they have other people that they can also feel comfortable speaking about issues with. So we created some workshops this year, the whole group of men Mm -hmm. and myself, and then the entire group of brides and myself. 
And we did those separately so they could feel comfortable talking about certain things that maybe they would shy away speaking about or asking or wanting to comment about with their partners there. And then after that, we begin with the exercises and everything else. But we did some context this year and it was really fun. And I think it's going to be exciting for everyone to see what comes up in those conversations because we really get conversations going this time around. I do love the fact that when I'm watching you ask questions on the couch about the most awkward things, you don't even blink an eye. (laughs) You don't skip a beat. It's a gift, I tell you. Thank you. It's a talent. It's honed for many years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's amazing. And I can't wait to see how all of this unfolds in Intimacy Week and over the rest of the 10th season. Yay! (laughs) Now, speaking of the rest of the season, this first podcast is just a small taste of what's to come. For the rest of the season, we'll be jumping on the mics straight after the commitment ceremony, where all of our couple's issues will be laid bare. Whether it's trust and honesty, intimacy or lack thereof, good intentions and bad behaviour and everything else that arises, Because the truth is, what these couples are experiencing, it's not really all that different from what you're going through in your own relationship. So, of course, what we'll do is take a deep dive into these issues, break them down, and then share some helpful tips that you can take away with you. And we can't wait to get stuck into it on the next episode of the official Married at First Sight podcast. Yes. You know, I've loved this, Alessandra. I have loved it too. We'll see you next week, right? We'll catch you after Sunday night's commitment ceremony.